0: Countdown to The Last Comic Shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, it's now time for your favorite comic book podcast, The Last Comic Shop!
1: That's right. We are stacking the buck bin and opening the shop up for newbies to help them find their way under the comic book tent.
2: And we're keeping the lights on for those oldies. wanted to help them level up by uh, showing them maybe some stuff they might have missed along the way.
0: And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And on today's program, we're kicking off the Halloween season. Yes, it's that special time of year where people stuff their faces with candy and put on creepy costumes and try... Not to have their houses toilet paper. It's a wonderful time where fall is in the air and everybody is drinking pumpkin spice things. We've got no pumpkin spice for Aww. you, we've got great comic books. And on today's program, that's kind of got some creepy, eerie flavor to it. It's called Once in Future out of Boom Studios, and it's got a zombie king arthur yeah, yeah. Right. what it's... if king arthur was zombies <laughs> it works zombies are great for the halloween season by the way real quickly guys favorite zombie movie uh, i'm an army of darkness guy. all right the deadites there you go J.
1: A. oh i guess i mean modern i would probably go with 28 days later yeah the danny boyle film Absolutely. that's the running zombies yeah yes <sighs> yeah zombies that actually can move
0: My pick is um, I'm a real big fan of the original Night of the Living Dead, of course But uh, another one that doesn't get a lot of play Which is really great Is White Zombie I actually covered that on my blog this week And that one's got Bela Lugosi And it actually doesn't deal with Like the zombies that eat brains and stuff It's more of the traditional voodoo zombies You know But it's still great You should check that one out It's also in public domain So you can like watch
2: it anywhere There you go Um, On YouTube Hey can I change my pick? Okay. Was <laughs> the Army Darkness is a zombie movie. I don't know what I was thinking. No, my pick for favorite zombie movie is, I'm going to go with some local flavor and say Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, when it was filmed at the Monroeville Mall, Andy and I went to college with the girl whose dad was the zombie who gets his head chopped off by the helicopter. <laughs> and I've met a lot of the people involved with that movie over the years. And uh, so... Just by virtue uh, of the personal connection, Dawn of the Dead is my pick. Well, it is a good one, too. And speaking
0: of good ones, uh, on today's program, we've got a lot of good answers from our fan base, because it is now time to recap some Twitter polls. Yes, as you may or may not know, but hopefully you do. Every Wednesday, Jay Scott is lovely enough to put out a Twitter poll out on last comic shop and it's now time to kind of uh, go over them so that we can see what the results were and keep you up to date so ja uh, we've got about six polls to cover on the opening segment right
1: yes we got about six we're going to go through some of these faster than others because some of them were no brainers
0: no brainers and zombies
1: our first poll this was out of the week when we were looking at the uh, the jamokes that were in spidey's second tier villains gallery we went who is the best first tier top tier spider-man villain the options were venom green goblin mysterio and doc ock and i will just say that venom mysterio and doc ock all scored about the same and green goblin almost got 50 percent of the vote Uh,
0: this is the right choice yes it was his vote to lose, to be honest, but I was actually very surprised at that. I was surprised that Doc Ock didn't get more votes. I was surprised that Venom didn't get more votes. I know that I voted for Mysterio, but I was... I'm just partial to that fishbowl-headed guy, and I have
1: to admit, I put Mysterio in because I would not have heard the end of it had I not put him in with you and your love of Mister Fishbowl Head.
2: Well, I,
0: that, that that does bring up a good question, and, and I'll I'll bring in our our Spider-Man aficionado, Chad. Oh. I, I think you can agree with the Green Goblin and Venom and maybe Doc Ock, but. <laughs> If you were to pick a fourth one, would you have gone with Mysterio or somebody
2: else? Oh, that's really tough. Because, yeah, you have your top three. I don't know if any of the other Sinister Six guys will, you know, level up to that top tier. Do you pick somebody like uh, Moreland, who's been a a modern like, maestro of Spidey villainry, no, because he sucks. Uh, <laughs> where do you go for a fourth option? Not a Carnage. Carnage I, is like it, a second tier Venom, so... I was gonna say you have one letter too many. Mm. Let me think. Who's the? Yeah, I was was struggling too.
1: I mean, you wouldn't do Vulture. You wouldn't do Electro. You wouldn't do Sandman.
2: Uh, Kingpin uh, maybe,
1: but Kingpin's very you know very daredevil.
2: No, this is the pick that would rival uh, the Green Goblin, but it is uh, the only other option that makes sense, and it's J. Jonah Jameson. Oh. Oh. Very
1: good. I like that. That's very good. Well, moving on to the next poll. Uh, This was our Kirby week when we looked at new gods. So then if new gods are DC's Kirby creation, what is the best Marvel new god, quote-unquote, that Kirby made? Uh, Choices were Galactus, Thor, Kang the Conqueror, and Gorgon, who got zero (laughs) votes. No, No love... For, the, for giant
2: feet? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. man. It's right. hooves. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Since we've been polling, this one had the most what? percentage to the winner.
0: It was Antlerhead, right? Like, nobody's yes. gonna be Galactus, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he eats planets. Like, how are yeah. you gonna compete with that? Yeah,
1: he took 71% of the vote. Uh, with Thor a healthy 24%. And then Kang in a very distant third.
0: With oh, yeah. 5%. It's a...
2: He devoured that book. It's... it's a tough subject for me, though. I, I recently passed on the the Marvel HasLab four hundred dollar Galactus figure that's thirty two inches tall. Like, don't, don't get
1: me started on HasLab. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> All
0: right. I was Why? surprised though you didn't include Silver Surfer on your list of new gods because he is cooler than Black Racer because he did, he rides a surfboard and not ski. Yeah, <laughs> that will be
1: that will be a poll. Uh, superheroes who get around with who need some 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 bit of uh, furniture and or yeah. accoutrement to right. fly right. around
0: superhero and, transportation and, and, and if you have yes. a black racer you're gonna need two poles <laughs> ah! oh. that's terrible <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving
1: on our, our next poll got the most votes ever for a poll. It was the best DCEU movie that should be made. And apparently the internet is overrun with Booster Gold fans. Yeah! Yeah! They just came out of the woodwork for this one. It was either do you want to see a Booster Gold movie, a Flash movie, a Green Arrow movie, or a Martian Manhunter movie?
0: There was no choice in this. I voted for Booster Gold just simply because maybe Blue Beetle would show up and that would be the awesomest movie ever. But he's got skeets, <laughs> he's got that awesome schmarmy attitude yeah booster gold is the right choice here
2: chad what would you yeah. who did you vote for it's all booster he uses charisma not much else <laughs> well, I, I, he might use other things but charisma is the main thing that's why i go booster gold
0: you gonna vote for martian manhunter he's as boring as a brick other than eating those
2: oreos all the time <laughs> he didn't even work in the justice league movie he waited until everything was done it's like oh yeah by the way i'm here <laughs>
1: And that's why I voted for it because I wanted to see what the heck he actually does. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. Best Hulk: Green Hulk, Joe Fixit Gray Hulk, Red Hulk, or Professor Hulk?
2: Chad, who did you vote for? I voted for a losing effort in this one. I went Professor Hulk. That's uh... my jam. That's right. You are a huge
0: fan of that Peter David run. I won't lie. I went with Joe Fixit, and I tried to get people on that Joe Fixit train. Uh, there's nothing cooler than than Gray Hulk. He's got the attitude. He's not as strong, but he's awesome sauce. I love him. Yeah. Anytime you can
1: get a Hulk in a pinstripe suit, that's just looking nice. But unfortunately, uh, I was also on the Joe Fixit Gray Hulk. Bandwagon. We came in a very distant third place at 13%. Green Hulk took this one with 61% of the vote. Just massive.
2: Yeah, it turns out Hulk smash.
1: My Lou Ferrigno, bring it home. Next one was the best team, so this was our Fantastic Four X Men mashup. Um, oh, good lord! Now here, here it comes. Andy <laughs> and his Juggernaut team, uh, Chad and his Jamie Madrox team, and me and my Mohawk Storm team, and uh, wasn't even close. Chad and Andy ended up dividing up the uh, the second place vote, and I took it took it home with almost 50 percent.
2: classic x-men lineup of course i mean who's gonna
0: who's gonna vote against the chris claremont john byrne x-men that was totally cheating my idea was much better i i still stand by having emma frost and juggernaut on the same team awesome sauce and the amazing friends come on all i
1: want to say is know your audience so for those who didn't listen to the show we had to pick a uh an X-Men team that were sort of shaped like the Fantastic Four. So they needed to be sort of a family and have similar dynamics as the Fantastic Four. So I went with Storm, Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, and Colossus, and everyone agreed. Well, the majority agreed.
2: I was going to say, I tried the thing the X-Office has been doing for years. I picked Wolverine and who gave a crap about the rest? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong strategy. No, I thought uh, my action figure displays would have swayed more votes my way, but uh, yeah. not so much. Yeah. All right, last poll. The last poll,
1: uh, and this was in honor of our Black Sad comic book where there are anthropomorphic animals in a film noir setting and and the the protagonist is a cat. We had, what is the best cat? superhero slash villain, you know, sort of mainstream comics. Uh, so the the choices were Cheetah, Black Panther, Sabretooth, or Black Cat. And there was a caveat. Catwoman, while named a cat, has no actual cat powers. Therefore, she didn't get a vote.
0: I am surprised you didn't include Puma. Because <laughs> he's awful. In all the other pools, you have, like, the the no prize. <laughs> so I was like... You should have thrown Puma in there for that. But who won this? Yeah, who's the cat's uh, meow?
1: So the cat's meow was one Felicia Hardy, black cat, with 32% of the vote, but meow. Voting was very, very close on this one. Uh, Cheetah, who came in fourth, surprisingly, was at 18%. So there wasn't a lot of difference between uh, first place and fourth place. Sabretooth coming in second place, uh, Black Panther was at 22%. So really, uh, this one was the most evenly divided of all the polls, mainly because I didn't have Puma in there as a throwaway. (laughs)
0: Well, another uh, character that you kind of overlooked, and we heard about it from a lot of folks, was Chitara from the Thundercats, who actually has been in comic books. So they had a legitimate kind of gripe with this list and and not including, you know, the fastest Thundercat of them all. She also had that (laughs) bone staff and awesome flipping ability. That was great. I, in retrospect, would have
2: said I would have voted for Chitara over a lot of these folks. I'm still waiting for that Black Cat movie. I mean, Forget these Venom movies. You could make a killer Black Cat movie these days. Who do you think would play Black Cat if you were going to uh, cast that, uh, uh, Chad? No. You know who I'm going to pick? Because I love her. Is the Alexandra Daddario. Who? She was in the Percy Jackson movies. She was the Rock's daughter in San Andreas. And she was in the season one of True Detective. And she may have been... The, the most beautiful Hollywood actress I've seen okay. uh, Since Cindy Crawford Wow High praise from Chad Alright well
0: he's got okay. his black cat pick We'll see if eventually they make that movie If, if Chad gets his pick But one thing that we, you're always going to get a pick from Is our read pile review And it's coming up right after these messages We're going to pick a book and we're going to review it So stay tuned for that
2: What's in future? I still want to know who your black cats are I got my black cat who's your black cat? Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to. It's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub Podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got
0: a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter.
2: And you can listen to us on all major platforms.
0: The We Get Dub Podcast. It's harder than a Goku Gut Punch. <laughs>
1: Did the Iron Fist Netflix series leave a bad taste in your mouth? Are you caught up in the hype of Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings? Have you ever wondered what these characters' true origins and adventures are like, but you don't have the time to read through hundreds and hundreds of issues? Then subscribe to the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu, where I, JVD, traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artists in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Each week, I break down a story arc and discuss the good and the bad within the pages to save you hours of reading through comics so you can focus on the best of which each character has to offer. New episodes drop every Wednesday for you to listen to on your way to your local comic book
2: shop to pick up your pull list.
0: Alright, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop and it is now time to do our Read Pile Review! That segment we like to have on every single show where we tell you about a comic book that we read recently that maybe you should check out at your local comic book shop. And uh, on today's program, again, going along with that theme of Halloween and creepy crawly things, we're doing zombies and the undead and undead monarchs that are also fictional that might be based <laughs> on real kings or something like that. It is Once in Future. And uh, J.A., uh, who did this tremendous series? So, Once in Future was
1: written by Kieran Gillen, illustrated by Dan Moore, and they were the creators. They were the really driving force on this one. Coloring was Tamara Bonvillan. Uh, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire, and
0: this is out of Boom Studios. That's Boom Studios. There you go. And Boom Studios is awesome. If I haven't gushed about how great Boom Studios is, uh, I'm going to do it right now before we get started. Boom puts out excellent, excellent books. I first found Boom Studios because they did a lot of great Planet of the Apes, Books uh, back in the day Uh, They also did a wonderful Darkwing Duck Series for a while Uh, They did Grass Kings which I've Recommended on this program before Uh, It just seems like every time I turn around Boom's doing something great even I mean Chad you've read a a bunch of Boom Books that you've liked over the years
2: No the, the cool thing about Boom Studios Is they seem to be That comic book company that's able to Diverge from the superhero Genre and do it well Like Image, I feel like, can do that for a little bit, but they always tend to fall back on those superhero books. You get your IDWs that end up with your licensed stuff. But, like, Boob really has original creative properties that aren't superheroes. that are just really, really good comics. Yeah. Speaking
0: of this particular comic, uh, Once in Future, give us the 10-cent synopsis
2: there, Chad. So uh, we're all familiar with The Legend of King Arthur. And, uh, you know, he's said to return in Britain's Darkest Hour. Uh, well, like one character of this book says, never trust a prophecy that can be taken two different ways. And so, what if King Arthur was the cause of Britain's Darkest Hour? Dun-dun-dun! Because he's a zombie! Dun-dun! And he's bringing zombie knights with him! Dun, dun, dun. And there's swords! And more zombies! And... Uh, blood spray and ooey gooey stuff and there's a family with a badass Aunt May and a red-headed Peter Parker with Clark Kent glasses and they're running around trying to stop the zombies and occasionally there's this giant snake monster that just keeps coming back uh, there's all sorts of madness that ensues but it's all set in present day but loosely based on Arthurian legend so you think you might know what's going on but then you don't know what's going on but then you know what's going on whenever it happens it's real fun
1: what I, what I like is that they even play with... Everyone thinks they know the you know the history and the legend of King Arthur, and then they're like, oh, that's Excalibur. No, that's not Excalibur. Excalibur is not the sword of the stone. That's something else. You're confusing yeah, it. Yeah, but then yeah. uh, the legend itself
2: gets confused because they're rewriting the legend now. That's it. And there's so many different versions of these myths that they're like, yeah, it's not that one. It's this other one. Who knows? Maybe it's the other one. We don't know. It's fun. We should say that the... the
1: uh, the grandson, right. Not red-headed, because this is Britain. He's ginger. It's true. Oh,
0: okay. It's apologies. the uh, Percival stand-in. The, uh, the virginal, virginal youth raised by women in the middle of the woods that will come to, I don't know, claim the sword instead of Galahad, who's like, I don't know, the, the son of Gawain, who yeah. doesn't show up.
2: And, what are and the, that was a very, uh, is it Macbethian? Were like, you know, the man-not-of-woman-born type uh, machinations to have him be raised by women. No, but what I I, what I love is it
0: kind of leads to one of my favorite lines in the entire uh, first trade, which is what we're covering today. It's just the first trade of Once and Future. It goes on for quite a lot, but I think it's like basically the first six issues. But within it, there's a great line where, I don't know, somebody reminds King Arthur who <laughs> Galahad actually is. Hey, remember that one time when your wife, Roger DeFrench, was he's like, What? What happened? I didn't remember this. He gets and it's It's the best. Because like, of course, like, you know, he's remembering how you know Lancelot and Guinevere just like laid down together and, and had some babies. And so it was, yeah, it's 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 interesting stuff. And, and then I, I do want to get J.A.'s thoughts initially because, like, during our pre-show uh, review, he immediately, after reading this, was like, do we have more of this? Because I can't stop. And so I want to I wanna find out why, why he liked it so much.
1: I, I think I liked it because it was really well done non-superhero comics. I mean, we've been reading a lot of non-superhero comics lately, but they have been very... Uh, serious and heavy and uh sort of you know not in the action adventure genre so here was a comic book that is not dealing with superheroes but is still you know action adventure there's fight scenes there's zombies there's bad guys there's good guys there's uh intrigue i liked how they set up the plot with duncan duncan is the ginger percival character you know he's been going through his life not knowing that he is the hero and that his grandmother descends from this line of zombie killers who, use, who live forever and knows magic and, and keeps a trunk at, buried in the woods with guns, vampire guns, to kill vampires. Well, why don't we need that? Because I've killed them all already. She said. <laughs> I want to know that story, by the way. So um, uh, the art was fresh. The storytelling was fun, I thought the writing was witty, it was really easy to read, you got through it quickly, it was a different take, I liked that it took place in England, and it it involved all these different myths that you kind of know, especially, uh, you know, growing up in America, or, or England, or Great Britain, you probably are aware of these myths, probably anyone is, if you've seen that horrible Richard Gere movie First Night.
0: You at least know some of this. Know, Arthurian legends.
2: Every generation gets their own version of the Arthurian legends. It's more than just Richard Gere. But go ahead. Richard Gere and, um, and
1: Sean Connery. I think wearing a toupee, was mean, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. So I like the idea of anytime you're in modern day and you've got access to all these guns and weapons. Uh, so, you're putting together a bomb that has C4, oh, but it also has like Witch's Brew and Eye of Newt and a little bit of Saltpeter and all these other things to not only blow something up, but also spread all this like uh, anti monster dust on it.
2: Yeah, that's another great line in here where she's like, What kills vampires? Oh, right, a stake through the heart. Yeah, a stake through the heart kills a lot of things. So, yeah, no, I I love this book too. Um, For one reason, there is a badass grandma, and you can't go wrong with a badass grandma. At one point, she shoots her grandson just to show that he's not she's not fooling around. That was great. I loved uh, how she threatens people in the old folks home when they they go to change the channel. She's like, "You can change it, but I'm going to break all your fingers." And it's just like, whoa, that is awesome. You don't get to see that every day. And then, as I alluded to in my (laughs) over-anxious synopsis, it it is fun to see those King Arthur myths played with in a different way than you traditionally see. Like, I've seen those myths manipulated, you know, whether for comedy with the Monty Python stuff, or sometimes they go into horror. But this is the first time I've ever seen King Arthur, not as savior, but as somebody bringing about the downfall. Um, And that was just, it was really cool. To, to watch that happen, as Jay alluded to, uh, Dan Moore's art is fast paced, action packed. And all I kept thinking as I was reading this, and even I, I stumbled into to volume two, is like, as, as an action figure nerd, like this would make the perfect action figure line between the zombies, the knights, the knights that are zombies, uh, <laughs> the badass grandma with guns. Uh, there are just so many fun characters in here that you know literally would just be fun to play with and so it's one of those things where uh, a lot of people they they make comic books as movie pitches or show pitches which i I don't think that's what this is but boy would i love it to be picked up so we could get that extra stuff to go along with it because i and you feel it's it's almost a little literary. You're, you got the Arthurian legends in there.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking when you said action figures, I can just see the action gimmick now. The head pops off, you're <laughs> the, the zombie knight.
0: That's right. Well, I'm gonna jump in here real quick because I think Ch- uh, Chad mentioned something that I I, I want to kind of sort of disagree with. Just one thing, and it's it's the fact that he kind of mentioned like he didn't see this as potentially R and D for a TV show or a movie. Honestly, when I was reading this trade, that's actually all I saw. Nowadays, we're so used to that, right? When an independent comic book comes out and you're like, how are they going to make this be the next TV show, next animated series, the next movie? Because that's where the dollars are. Like, You're not going to really make the money off of the comic book itself. You're going to get it when it goes big and everybody's watching that streaming uh, show on Netflix or, or Amazon Prime, or, or wherever it happens to be. And that's what I really thought with this series. Like, I'm like, this is uh, Dan Mora and uh, Kieran Gillian's, like, pitch to be like, hey, make this into a show. We got action, we got awesome Arthurian legends that everybody knows about. We got a badass grandma that can be played by awesome people. We got this awesome, like, handsome uh, ginger dude. We, can, we have a badass grandma that can be played by one person.
1: We all know it's going to be played by Helen Mirren, but forget anybody uh, else. It's going to be Helen be, Mirren.
2: It would be great as Helen Mirren, but you know who it's really going to be? Marisa Tomei. Marissa it, it, it'll Tomei. Be Marissa Tomei. It's supposed to be this older elderly woman. They'll get Marissa Tomei still at the height of her hotness <laughs> <laughs> to play grandma, because that's how Hollywood works. But she's not British. Yeah. Matter. The Helen Mirren does make
0: more sense, but that's what I thought. And that's, I think that's why I'm going to ding it a little bit. Mm. Both of what you guys said was part of why I wasn't. I'm not going to say I wasn't feeling this book because I will say the art is tremendous. The action scenes are great. There's a great scene where basically Duncan is catapulted into this weird world, like where he has to survive. And this quest monster comes after him and he picks up this big log and jams it into the monster's throat. It was awesome to see. Like I was like, yeah, that's exciting. Like that's, that's action pace. So the art in this book is tremendous. I can, but at the same time, I just couldn't shake this feeling that it was kind of like, maybe I've seen this before, or maybe this is all just R and D for some sort of TV show. And I don't know. It just kind of felt like I was getting, maybe I'm used to these other serious books we've been covering.
2: And I was just like, I don't know. Like there was something about this. No, no. I I agree with you while still taking the totally opposite position. I can't believe you didn't (laughs) love King Arthur (laughs) a (laughs) Skeletor. Like that is awesome. And so We often talk about independent books, right? And what's the biggest challenge that independent books face, you think, in getting an audience and hooking an audience? The world building, probably. Like, if they do it well, then that's
0: great. And you're right, they do do it fairly well in this Yeah, they do.
2: And not only that, but they they take those familiar characters. You know, so many times we pick up a Spider-Man book or a Batman book because it has Spider-Man or Batman, and we know that and so that gives us that that easy in so they're still using that easy in by accessing these arthurian legends but they're turning it on its head by making them the bad guys and so it's instantly relatable it's instantly like oh okay you you've got my attention and then it turns out the rest of it is so well done who cares if it's a pitch like i want to see it yeah and
1: and and To to that point on the world building, what I really love about it is this first trade we read works well as a standalone. So it tells a complete story, but it doesn't feel like that's the end and they would just be adding something on in part two that wouldn't make sense. It's so well conceived, the world building, that as I mentioned, and as Chad said, he also went on to, you can see that, oh, what, what happens in the next part? What, you know, what other adventures do they get up to? What, you know, what, yeah. how else do these evil ghosts try to come and take over England in this day and age? And when are the Scots and the Welsh going to get involved? Yeah.
2: Because, you I know, just... that's, that's when the shit really gets good. Spoiler alert. Beowulf! For, for Beowulf! Sorry, <laughs> oh, you going to have to bleep that.
0: It's Beowulf! Well, I... But I will say this. I mean, and and did did you not feel it was just a little bit tropey with like guy that doesn't know anything, then badass grandma that's keeping all these secrets from him, and then he gets involved with the secret society mom he didn't even know he had. Like, didn't it seem like they were retreading? I already
2: told you. Yes, yes, they're doing that, but they're doing it so well. Ah, see the see the enthusiasm
0: it's hard to fight against you guys because the enthusiasm's there so they are doing something right if you guys are excited about this book like regardless of my nitpicking it's got to be okay right yeah yeah
1: it's like the bob ross of zombie arthurian legend books you know it's just full of happy little zombies
2: that's right and aunt May's with ak's that's true well,
0: I, I think we'll just get to our our commercial break. We'll get our ratings. I think we've talked about what we liked about this book, what we didn't like about this book. But let's see how those ratings kind of go from this point. So stay tuned. More Last Comic Chop right after these commercial breaks. How Once in Future Made the Great. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC Universe?
2: Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that Bud Ice stuff at the gas station? Well then look, no further. We present to you, Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already
0: oversaturated market.
2: All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things.
0: More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink.
2: We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer, And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick
0: of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
2: New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News.
0: All right, we're back with more of the last comic shop, and it is now time for our rating—that famous part of our show where we assign numerical value to somebody's creative work in a way that is hopefully fair and impartial. But yeah, it's it's usually just like whether we like something or not. Yeah, so, it's always partially partial. <laughs> But something that always happens is Jay Scott gives us an interesting way to rate our book every single week. So, JA, what is our rating scale for this week? Well, we're gonna go one out of four Knights of the round table. Ooh. Do, do, do,
1: do. Yes. That hey. means I guess if, if you're not if you don't have a whole number, you're you're, you're like cutting a night in half or something. So <laughs> so maybe he's he's lost an arm, but don't worry, it's only a flesh wound. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. How many black knights at the table? <laughs> we'll, we'll go to J.A. Scott since it was
0: his rating scale. Uh, what? How many uh, knights of the round are you giving this? I'm giving it the full four knights of the round table. I really wow. love this. Book. Uh, we
1: mentioned the beautiful artwork uh, and the writing. I thought was on. I just love the writing and and the not just the plotting and, and sort of the big elements, but even just the dialogue bits. So when they're they're going into the gates of hell to fight the Arthurian-led, you know, these these zombie knights and zombie King Arthur. Uh, but somebody's got to stay behind so that they can come back to present day. And gra- the grandma is explaining to this woman, so do you know uh, the the whole thing about Theseus and the labyrinth and the minotaur and the string? She goes, yeah. He goes, well, he's Theseus. You're the string. And she's like, yeah, well, what about the Minotaur? She goes, Oh, don't be so literal. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun read. I sat down, I plowed through it in probably an hour, and it was it was akin to watching an unexpected, really good action-adventure movie that you had no idea what you're getting into. You just went into the movie theater and two hours later you come out with some popcorn butter on your shirt and a big smile on your face. Cause you just were blown away by something that you were completely unexpected.
2: Okay. I'll go next. And I, I I'm kind of torn because there's a part of me that loves this, which I don't know if you could pick up on my earlier uh, review that thinks this is so much fun. And this is just good comic booking. Kieran Gillen is a masterful writer in that he has not only the dialogue like Jay was alluding to, He has those clever moments in the plot where you think you know what's coming, but then you don't know what's coming. But then after he explains, like, no, I was thinking that was coming. And like, you never feel totally lost in the woods, but you're never totally comfortable either. The character work in here is really great, whether it's the girlfriend, whether it is the mother who has basically abandoned her family, you know, whether it is uh, the grandfather who we meet and find out what's happened to him and what steps grandma took to ensure that uh, some of this process wouldn't go through. It's all interesting. At the same time, I don't know if it's a four just because I feel like sometimes it was a little darker and by darker, I don't mean like dark and scary. I just mean a little bit more muddled than it needed to be. I feel like there were a handful of sequences where it could have been more crisp, but also that that's part of the ambiance. And so I don't, can I say a 3.9? I'm going to go really obnoxious. I want to take just a little sliver off a little slice so, of the ear.
1: So the night lost his pinky essentially.
2: Yeah. So just, <laughs> just, a, just, a, just one small flesh wound. But I think overall it's great work and I highly recommend it. And like Jay said, it is lots of fun. It's something you can just pick up and read and, and enjoy. And it, it's comic books at their finest.
0: Okay. Well, I think I'm going to be the most critical of this book. Again, I, there was just something about it. I think I'm going to go like maybe like a 2.9, like it's not even a 3. And I think that's just simply because for me, Maybe I was expecting a little bit more. I remember like when Chad first initially pitched this, he's like, it's going to be Zombie King Arthur. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's going to be awesome. And if it was just based on the artwork alone, I think it measured up to that. Like, Dan Moore's art is tremendous. Like, it's very, very kinetic. There's a lot of great, to, to J.A.'s point, like action scenes that seem very cinematic and do, like, kind of drive the story forward. But they're just just seemed to be something that was a little bit off. It just at times felt a little too trophy for me. Trophy mm. so in like a I, I've seen this like a bunch of times before with again, hero that doesn't know what the heck is going on and has been kept in the dark for so many years and has this, you know, older, you know, mentor coming in. And I and I guess that's because like in the essence, this is the Arthurian legend, right? Like whether Duncan is actually playing the King Arthur person and the grandma is, is Merlin, you kind of have that same storyline going on here. And all you can kind of compare it to is like the original Arthurian legend. I'm like, well, the original is still better. So This is kind of like a retelling of that. And I'm just like, nah I'll just read the original Arthurian legends. Plus like I've, I've read some more interesting versions of this. Like, I'm a huge fan of Camelot 3000, which deals with the Arthurian legends. And I think that's a much better book than this, but at the same time, it's not a bad book. Like, I don't want anybody to come away thinking like I'm just slamming because it, it's great. Like this to Chad's point is good comic bookery. If you need like, you know, just a, a series to pick up and read on a random Saturday afternoon, pick this up. It's still worth your time. I just don't think it's in that higher echelon of other books that I've read, especially books like that we've read on this show. I have to be honest like com- compared to like some of the other ones like you know monsters that we've read or, or black sad i don't know this doesn't measure up to that but some other books you might want to check out on a saturday afternoon when you have some free time is some of our recommendations Ta-da! books you can find at your local comic shop in addition to once a future we like to recommend
1: something similar uh something that's Pretty recent, and something maybe a little bit out of left field or off the beaten path, or in this case, you know, from Arthurian legend. And uh, I'll kick it off this week. I am doing something a bit similar in that it's swords and sorcery, but maybe it's out of left field too because it's not King Arthur. It is King Conan! And I am recommending uh, the first part of the Conan Chronicles. Which has been condensed into an epic collection back in 2019. This is the uh, 2004 Kurt Busiek Fabian Nisienza Carrie Nord run of Conan. And my God, if you're only buying it for Carrie Nord, then it's worth it. But Kurt Busiek is just a fantastic writer. It's fantastic Conanning. But, ugh, the artwork is epic. It is stunning. Every page looks like it was done by N.C. Wyeth. It looks like it's oil paintings, and it just fits perfectly in that world of sorcerers and swashbuckling heroes and scantily uh, dressed buxom women needing help and men with no armor fighting against heavily clad
2: Giants. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love Carrie Nord art. And everybody that's worked on that book is awesome, but Carrie Nord in particular, I found dur- during superhero books on Daredevil. But man, did he hit his stride with that Conan stuff. It is absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, I got I have a real quick question for you, J.A. Does does Carrie Nord beat out uh, Barry Windsor Smith for your favorite Conan or is Barry Windsor still on top? Ooh.
1: You know what? I think Carrie Nord might have taken top spot. <laughs>
2: wow that's well, that's well, big
0: if, well if you like his work on conan uh since you're a huge huge valiant fan you should check out his run on exo man he was one of the first uh artists to actually have an exclusive contract with um uh valiant and he was actually the guy that basically helped relaunch valiant with that exo Mano war book back in 2012 so yeah you should check that one out too as a side recommendation Whoa! No.
2: Recommendation of recommendation.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! But a main recommendation is Chad's
2: pick. I, I think, which actually deals with Arthurian legends, right? Right. I'm gonna go with the something similar, and I'm gonna pick the low-hanging fruit that is Camelot 3000 by Mike W. Barr and Brian Ballant. Uh, it came out in the early '80s. Took quite some time. It was actually one of the first maxi series ever released. It was twelve issues. It's something related this is an exploration as well of the Arthurian legends set in the future, where once again characters are reincarnated. One's a samurai. One's like a industrialists, and some of them are you know uh, South African family men, and some of them are just just crazy pants. And so it's fun to to watch that play out. Really, the reason why you buy the ticket to that particular show is the Brian Bolland art. And it is just absolutely gorgeous. Well, he was the first guy I, I remember ever taking superheroes and superhero comics and adding that touch of realism where you would see the lines of the fabric or see like the laugh lines on a superhero's face, like that kind of stuff. Like his art is that detailed and that handsome. But with Camelot 3000, he gets to explore that along. With all these uh, nightly tropes And along with all this weird sci-fi Alien invasion Aspects And it's just it, It's a sight to behold It's a little bit uh, more dense Than once in future A little bit tougher to, to dig into But once you're there uh, It's definitely a tale that's worth your time It is Camelot 3000
0: Yeah, and it's widely available you can still get it in uh, single issues in, in a lot of buck bins. I've seen it's still available and they've got a lot of different trades out of that. I, I feel like every single time that I go to a comic book show, I always find a copy of Camelot 3000 and somebody's been going for $5, $10. And every single time I see it, I tell whoever I'm with, Oh, you got to pick up that you just got to pick it up. Don't, don't worry about it. Just pick it up, put it with your collection. You, you owe it to yourself to own a, a copy of Camelot 3000.
2: It's that good. Yeah. It's one of the first mashups I can remember seeing of the medieval, of the highly like technological stuff. And like, as a kid, I was like, this is crazy. And then the story is a little bit more adult. So as a kid, I was like, I'm not sure about a lot of this, but still <laughs> definitely, definitely worth your time. Well, for my recommendation this week,
0: you know, with the current pick, um, I'm going back to the whole notion of how hard it is when you have an independent book and you're trying to world build and how some folks do it right and some folks do it wrong. But one person that definitely did it right and hit a home run recently was Jeff Johns, who everybody knows from his wonderful work on DC with either The Flash or The Green Lantern or Teen Titans. Uh, all these great books that Jeff Johns has worked on. Now he's bringing his talents to his own universe. Uh, And he's joining forces with a great, great artist in Gary Frank. And they put out a tremendous six-issue run of Geiger, which has just been blowing up out there on on the comic stands over the past summer. And if you haven't read Geiger, you owe it to yourself to check it out because it is really uh, the beginning of what, could be called the Geigerverse. Uh, by the end of the six-issue run, you find out that this Geiger character, uh, again, set in post-apocalyptic America where the atom bombs have fallen and everybody has to wear radiation shoots and everything like that. Geiger is a guy that's kind of like a weird muscular solar man of the atom like he has nuclear powers but then punches people and has awesome fighting sticks that are made out of baryon rods he's got a, a cool backstory in which his sacrificed himself to save his family who were you know put into a fallout shelter and ended up you know dying or whatever uh, and he didn't even know about it and he's and uh, he, he ends up saving this teenager and her younger brother who ran away from Las Vegas that's been set up as kind of like this feudal kingdom run by all the casinos. And uh, he has like a two-headed dog. It's just a, a great series, but it kind of reminded me of like the beginnings of the Valiant universe in which you got like a core character, right? Like you got a core person that's really interesting, this Geiger character. He's got a great look by Gary Frank. He's got these awesome superpowers and he can punch through trucks and vans and whatever. And he's got a lot of pathos to him. He's just a great kind of Wolverine, reluctant hero kind of type character. But from there, you just build out. By the end of it, you got this guy named Junkyard Joe, which is kind of like a robot character, and they're going to introduce other characters like the Redcoat, who's an immortal, and some other person that's a ghost. And and it just makes you feel like you're at the beginning of something great. And so, like, you should pick up these six issues of Geiger. It's got great art. It's got a great initial
2: universe building.
0: And you, you kind of feel like you're getting in the ground floor.
2: Yeah, I've not checked it out yet, but you have spoken so highly of it. I definitely need to track down some Geiger stuff soon.
1: I I have to admit, I'd never heard of it, and I didn't know where you were going, and I heard Geiger, and I was like, is that, like, alien-type stuff? And then when you said post-apocalyptic with the
0: atom bombs, I'm like, ah, that Geiger! Yes, like a Geiger counter. He gives off radiation, he can burn through things. Like, he puts his fist through, like, a, a steel door, and it just burns away. And he can't get too hot, because he can't control his powers without his awesome barium rods. That he uses his fighting sticks and he's got a two-headed wolf. It's awesome. And something else that's <laughs> awesome is the last comic shop. You can listen to us every single week by going out to our fantastic website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com and rate reviewing and subscribing. Join any of that myriad of places that you can find our podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Podcast, Pandora, and a variety of other places. And if you like our show, then you should give us a treat this Halloween season by leaving us a five star review. Do it. And we won't toilet paper house. Let's just say that. But No, seriously. If you like what we're laying down, if you like the comic book recommendations and reviews that we give you every single week, if you have found, you know, books based on our recommendations
2: and stuff, let us know.
0: And how can they let us know, Chad? They can let
2: us know on social media platforms like Twitter and Instagram, where they can find us at last comic shop or on Facebook at last comic shop podcast. Yeah. And make sure that you are checking us out on
0: Twitter again, every Wednesday for those weekly polls that J. A. Scott loves to put out at last comic shop on Twitter.
1: And all those links are available on our website, as well as one to our merchandise store where you can get the latest last comic book swag. While we don't, have any knight's armor this week we do have a special out for the holidays just in time for halloween on a new design a new
0: spooky last comic book shop inspired t-shirt and it does look really great it's going to be only available until halloween so make sure that you get out to the website pick up that shirt it's almost like a limited edition it's like a variant cover of the last comic shop get yours today
1: yeah It'll it'll be it'll be one of those foil embossed chromium 1990s jobby things <laughs> sealed <laughs> in a bag
2: yeah it'll be sealed in a bag and while we may be the last comic shop podcast we actually don't want to be the last comic shop so we appreciate it if everyone goes out and finds a local shop near you to support where you can perhaps pick up things like conan chronicles camelot 3000 or the latest issues of Geiger. You don't know how to or where your local comic shop is? You can always use the comic shop locator www.comicshoplocator.com. All right. And make sure that you
0: tune in for the rest of the month of October cuz we're going to have some other awesome kind of creepy books out there. Next week it's uh, my favorite thing is monsters by Emil Ferris. And we've also got the new Dune uh, series, The Dune House of Atreides, right in time for the Dune movie. That will be coming soon as well. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And remember to stay safe, stay sheltered, and remember that strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a form of government. I feel oppressed. Bloody peasant, bring out your dead. The last comic shop was... A 2021
1: Black Angus Production